So we have been making our way through Philippians. We are in chapter 3 of Philippians. Uh, if you recall, we started this uh, portion of Scripture from chapter 3, verse 12 to 21. And we've, ma- we've looked at a couple of sermons at the growing Christians. Uh, the growing Christian, rather, w- w- what he looks like and, 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 and what to do in your, in, your, in your Christian life. We covered that Paul himself has been one of the most prominent uh, Christians who ever walked planet Earth. He explained that he himself had not arrived there at the point of pure, perfect holiness. Uh, yet he himself said that he was going to aim for a perfection and until he will receive it in the glory of, of God. And we saw how Paul's growth was, was revealed that he didn't hang on to his past failures and unto his sins. He didn't hang on to that, but he pressed on, if you recall, um, as an athlete uh, towards the upward call of God in Christ Jesus because he was looking for that heavenly city. And then Paul encourages the believers who are maturing in Christ to continue to be transformed in a likeness of Christ, to have the same mind as of one of Christ in verse 14 to 16, and ultimately receive that reward. And if anyone in verse 15 was indifferent with what the Apostle Paul was saying, if you recall, the Apostle Paul said, God will live and reveal this to you. If you haven't heard that last sermon, I can encourage you to, it is online. But for now, let us look at another portion of Scripture, which, however, I I must admit to you, this seems to be turning in this section, as Brother Wes is doing with um, Colossians, into a mini-series of The Growing Christian, because I got stuck in one verse, and I found so much to speak about in one verse. So I am going to read that section of Scripture, but I think we'll look at just one verse today. So look with me. After Paul has said all these things from verse 17, chapter 3, he begins by saying, Brethren, brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk of whom I often told you and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, and set, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenships in heaven, from whom which also we eagerly wait for the Savior, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our body excuse me, transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory, by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. Today's sermon is something that we all need in our lives. We all should aspire for. Something that we all must have if we want to be growing Christians, and that is have mentors and be mentored. Have examples in our lives so that we can be examples to others. It's, a, it's huge. This is, this is what we call discipleship. It must take place in our lives. 
We need perhaps a person who is one day ahead of us, as you've heard many times in the Christian walk, to teach us something that perhaps we don't know, that we may grow, to help us run, to help us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But we must be willing to follow. Older men are called to be growing and learning in their growth and acknowledge and wisdom, but they are meant to pass it on to others. I, as your brother in Christ and elder men, I call on you that you must grow up. I call upon you that the knowledge and the wisdom and whatever growth God has given to you, you must continue to grow into that so that you can build up other men, younger men, those who are perhaps a little bit weaker in the faith than you. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote to Timothy, said, The things which you, 2 Timothy 2.2, you, Timothy, You have heard in the presence of many witnesses. Here you've got Paul and you've got Timothy. Entrust to faithful men. You've got other men who will be able to teach others also. You've got four types of people, four generations. We must grow as men so that we can pass it on to other men. What would be the greatest thing that God will kill your elders? That there are other men who can take over. What would be the worst thing? That if God takes your elders and saving grace dies, because no, no men are stepping up. Sisters, sisters in Christ, you're not exempt from this. Women are supposed to be devoted to holy behavior, to holiness, so that they can teach younger women, so that they can be an example to younger women. Not not to talk about parties, not to talk about anything, but to build them up. Here's what it says for you, ladies. Titus 2, 3 to 5, Older women likewise be reverent, be holy. In their behavior, not malicious gossips, not enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, be subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. There are younger women in this church who are not even married. Teach them about marriage. There are young men who are not married. Then the older men who are a little bit more stronger in the faith, teach them. Be an example to them. And the younger men, you're not exempt either. Because in Titus we read, likewise, urge the young men to be sensible. In all things, show yourselves to be an example of good deeds with purity in doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach. As we see examples of women and men, and we chase after them, and we learn from them, and we follow them, and we grow. And so we, likewise, are an example. 
And those will look at us and, and they will learn from us and they will follow us and they will grow. You've heard me say this many times and I, and I think it's fitting for this sermon. Christianity is not a lone ranger thing. Christianity is not living as an orphan. You're not living an orphan's life, but you are living a family life. That's what Christianity is. Christians are saved not to be left alone. They are saved by the power of God to be part of the bride of Christ, to belong to a church and to grow with that church and manifest the glory of Christ in that church. I guarantee you many people who want to be alone and don't want to be involved with other Christians, if you look at their lives, they will have nothing to show you as an example because they are not growing. And what good is it, brothers and sisters, if we go grow in the knowledge of God and we know all doctrines, we know all the tulips. There's only one. <clears throat> and we understand all the covenants. And we understand all the I am's. And you do nothing with it. And your heart is not for Christ. What good is it that you don't give it away to the church of Jesus Christ? What is the point? One writer put it like this. He said, you cannot have God as your father, unless the church is your mother. And what that means is that Christ saves, God the Father saves through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit seals us, and they put us in this family called the church. In that family, in that church, you get all the nourishment, all the love, all the affections, and you get, believe it or not, all the ugliness of one another that you may grow into. You ever thought why you have an annoying brother? According to you, of course, because there's no annoying brothers or sisters in our church. Amen? All right. Have you ever thought why? Well, maybe it's just to humble you. Maybe it's for you to actually be an example to them and, and teach them something. We need one another. We need help, we need knowledge, we need wisdom. We need one another to be edified and to be examples. We need to be influenced and influence others. If we don't influence one another, listen, don't just look at your kids. I want to say something to you. We often say this, be careful what your kids watch on TV and, and what they read because they can be very badly influenced and what school they go to. Brothers and sisters, even older men like me can be influenced by the world. You can be influenced by the world. The clothes you wear, the shoes you buy, the car you want, the house that you're not satisfied with, the garden that should be plush, and the fence that you should have at the front. We can't leave that out. Somehow that's just a sin for the little kids. Paul's not talking to little kids to be examples. Is talking to a church of grown men and women, perhaps. You know, there were kids there. And Paul now is calling these Philippians 
to grow in his maturity and he uses this, this practical way. So our text for this morning serves as a blessing and as a, a warning. Because by default, we are followers of someone or something. And if we want to follow Christ, then this sermon will be for you. I only have one point this morning, because we're going to look at just one verse, all right? So bear with me. It is part of the growing Christian, but I just call this very simple, follow godly examples. Very simple. Our desire this morning ought to be that we do follow godly examples, godly people, godly men, those who can have an impact in our lives. Don't choose somebody that's not going to have an impact in your life. What's the point of that? So let's look at verse 17 together, and we can flesh it out a little bit. Brethren, join in following my example. Paul's just now encouraged the, the, the Christians to, to live this holy life, to continue to live a holy life, and, and he hasn't arrived, but we're going to get there. And, and he says to them, <clears throat> follow my example. But didn't Paul just say, this got me thinking, didn't Paul just say, I have not arrived yet, and if Paul is saying, follow my example, is Paul putting himself in a higher position, a prideful position? He's saying, follow my example. He just said, however, you know, I have not arrived yet. Now he says, follow my example. Well, some people will argue that Paul, because he had apostolic authority, he was an apostle, and the greatest Christian who ever lived, um, he had the right to say this, which we would not disagree. But the apostle Paul, he's saying, follow my example, because he was relying on Christ. He was reflecting on Christ. His life proved that he was not a prideful man. And he said that before in chapter 2, if you recall from, from verse 5 to 8, the greatest example is Jesus Christ, who was in the form of God. He did not regard equality a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. So the greatest example in Paul's life, it's not Paul. Paul's not expressing pride here. He's expressing God's work in his own life. So he can say, follow me. This is the work that God is doing in me. And we will see later in, in verse 17, because Paul is now an elder, he's a pastor, he started this church. It's not just for Paul. And we want to desire to have exactly what Paul had and others, as we will see in a minute, because Paul can say that because what God began in Paul, guess what? God began in the Philippians, the good work, right? Paul said, I am confident of this very thing that he who began the good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Brethren, do we not agree that God has called us to become more like Jesus? Right? Has he not? Amen? Yes? Right. Well, the most quoted verse in the Bible that we often quote, which is Romans 8.28, but I want to add 29 with it. It says, for we know all things, God causes all things to work together for good, for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. So we must understand this in our own lives, that we want to be conformed and we want to be transformed like Christ and be like Paul so that we can do the same thing and say, follow me. 
And the word therefore conformed means to be the same, of the same nature. This is not speaking of pride. Paul is not being prideful here. Remember, by the way, that the church of Philippi knew Paul. They knew Paul well. He founded the church. So they knew what Paul was like. No. We need to understand this. As a Christian, because if we say, can I just share this just on top of my head? I was trying to help a brother that doesn't come to this church. He was struggling uh, with certain issues, certain ministry ish issues as an elder of a church. I was trying to help this brother and say, let's look at what happened to the Apostle Paul and how Paul dealt with it. Do you know what he said to me? I'm not Paul. Well, if you say that, you might as well say, well, I'm not Jesus and I'm not and I'm not this, and I'm not that. And you're not going to grow. You're not going to get the meat out of it. But we want to see this and say, no, I am not Paul. But should I say, don't follow me? Should your elders say, don't follow us? We don't, want, we don't want to be your example to you. Should we not desire to be like-minded? Should we not desire to have the same heart as Paul? Because that was one that was of Christ? Should not others see in us our lives being conformed to the image of Christ? And the answer is yes. Once again, the Apostle Paul says, Brethren, with that affection, I am not there yet. I haven't arrived. I've already told you. I'm not perfect yet. But follow my example. So let's look, what are they supposed to follow? Are you in chapter 3? Let me just remind you. And then we'll look at a couple of other things to just flesh out a little bit of the Apostle Paul. What are, what are they meant to look at? Chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I have obtained it. I'm not there yet. I, I, I'm not perfect yet. But what do I do? I press on. I press on. That's what they meant to learn. Verse 13. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lays behind, reaching forward. Verse 14. I press towards the goal. That's what they meant to learn from the Apostle Paul. And it's not a burden if someone, if someone says, follow me, and they're saying, oh, follow my examples, you shouldn't be upset if they're following Christ. And this following is not a burden. This kind of following is like a, a, it's like a, a son and a father. A, a son sees his dad the way he is. He observes him. He admires his dad. He looks at him. He loves his daddy. And he says, you know what? One day, this isn't a perfect world, by the way, where your kids will do this. One day, I'm going to be just like that. I'm going to be just like that. And it doesn't mean he wants to wear your clothes. He doesn't mean that. You know, he wants your character. He looks at your character and he sees wonders in He says, one day, I'm going to be like my father. That's the kind of following we ought to have. 
When we see someone godly, we say, man, I want to mimic that. I don't want to look at his shirt. I don't want to look at his hair that he doesn't have and I have to shave it. No, I want that character, that beauty that reflects the very essence that he calls himself a Christian, which is Christ. No one puts up their favorite poster on the wall of a hero and says, gee, I like his clothes. No one says and puts a, a, a picture on the wall of an athlete under to say, man, I want to have his runners one day. You don't do that. You look at them because you want to be like them and they are the ones who are inspiring you to be a runner, inspiring you to fill in the blanks, whatever poster you want on the wall, plants and gardens, whatever it is, okay? Now, Paul here, by the way, it's a command. I just want to share that with you. This is a command from God. He says, follow in my footsteps. I'll, I'll talk about the commandment a little bit more, the command in a second. And every child of God ought to do this. But what's beautiful about understanding this with Paul, Paul is not just giving a command, Paul is living that command. Well, he's living, he's living proof. Because one thing that your elders of this church will say to you, hey, do what I tell you, just don't follow what I'm doing. There is one thing to say that, but the other that they're actually following what they're actually telling you to do in your life. Paul could say this, why? 1 Corinthians 11, he says, be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. But let us ask ourselves this question. Would you rather believe your elders of the church say, don't follow me. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. Or any believer for that matter. How is that encouraging? How is that that building up? So Paul is saying, follow my godly example. And we are told in scriptures about leaders because I want to talk about leaders in a sec first and people like us. And, and then after we will talk about the average Christian, you know, the normal Christian. We're all Christians. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech and conduct, love, faith and purity, show yourself as an example to those who believe. That's in First Timothy 4.12. So Paul is talking to Timothy. Then we read in First Peter 5 to the elders, Peter wrote, Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, and yet as lording, uh, not yet as lording over it, over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be an example to the flock. Hebrews 13.7, to the leaders of the congregation, it says, remember those who lead you, those who spoke the word of God to you and considered the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. This is a call to practical living. 
to have people in your life. And, and if your elders are Ashley and your leaders of the church were not a good example, go to another church and find godly examples. Because if your leaders cannot lead you that way, then something is wrong. But if your leaders are an example to you of the work and the transforming grace of Jesus Christ in their own lives, then you will do well to follow their example. What can we learn about this? What could the Philippians have learned about Paul alone from this letter? Which is applicable to us, of course. Well, think about it. Paul is in prison when he's writing this. Could you imagine where's on myself being in prison? Brethren, follow my example. Well, I don't think he's necessarily say come to prison, right? So what could they learn just by Paul being in prison? They could learn a plethora of things. They could learn how to handle persecution. They could look at his example, how he's handling hardship, how he's dealing with anxiety, how he's dealing with how to deal with fear and disappointment, how to have joy under such circumstances, how to be willing to forsake all things for Christ. Uh, they could learn how to resist temptations, put on the armor of God under circumstances, how to live with plenty and with nothing, how to behave godly in an ungodly world, how to suffer well, how to endure, how to seize every opportunity to preach the gospel, even how to worship God in the face of death. As I mentioned before, Paul said here, be well, the Greek says, says you join in following my example, but the Greek is really saying, be followers, imitators of me. And the word be there is a command, which means there is no exceptions and no exemption. All believers are called to imitate another godly believer, to follow their examples. And the word there, be, means to produce, to perform, to, for something to take place, to arrive at the same place, to be born of the same, to make something happen. It's a whole lot more than just say, join me, right? Well, what's Paul saying here? Whatever you have seen produced in me, let it be in you. Or whatever godly performance you see in me that I have, then you produce it in your own life. And whatever pure thing that you're seeing in my life, make that happen in your own life. Whatever godly affections you see me striving for, then you strive for the same. And keep aiming to the same place where I'm going so that you can be with me in one accord of the same batch. What can I learn from this letter? Well, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1, Paul called himself what? A slave of Christ, one who has been bought, one who's been owned by Christ. 
Chapter 1, verse 3, Paul is praying with a thankful heart. So what can you learn from the Apostle Paul as an example? Be thankful. Chapter 1, verse 4, Paul is always praying. And who is he praying for? The brethren. What can you learn from Paul? Pray for the brethren. Intercede for them. Cry out to God for them. In chapter four, uh, chapter one, verse one and uh, four and eighteen, Paul he's praying and he's preaching the gospel with joy. So be joyful. Be joyful under what circumstance you have. It doesn't matter. Rejoice in the Lord. Paul is positive. In chapter nine, uh, chapter one, verse nine and eleven, Paul has his concern for the church. He has a concern for them. He has an affection for them. He wants them to grow. He wants them to know Christ. That's a learning for us. Paul had such a love for the gospel. Under such circumstances, as you recall, many people came to save in faith. What do we learn from Paul? Exalt Christ no matter what. What do we learn from Paul? Believers, stand firm. What can you learn from your elders? Stand firm. Love one another. Grow in Christ and put others above yourself and stop grumbling and disputing. What did we learn? What could they learn from Paul? Count everything as rubbish. Rubbish. For the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ the Lord. I do want to read just a, a portion of scripture in First Corinthians. If you have your Bibles, please turn there. I want you to read it with me. What is Paul saying when he says, follow my example, be imitators of me, and what are we supposed to look like in our own lives? Chapter 4 from verse 11. Listen to this. To this present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty and poorly clothed and roughly treated and homeless. And we toil working with our own hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. We have become the scum of the world the dregs of all things, even until now. I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you, have, you would have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. Therefore I exhort you, be imitators. Of me. That's huge. These are the examples that we want to follow after. We need Pauls in our lives. We need women who are strong. Paul says, Brethren, join in following my example. And we must ask here this question. If Paul is saying 
follow my example. And we are called as a command to do what Paul said. Then who is it up to to follow? If I say to you, follow your elders, who is it up to to follow? The one who calls or the one who's called? It's the one who is called must follow. We can encourage one another and we can build one another up, but there is one thing that we cannot do for the other is to make the other follow, to make the other holy, to make the other pure, to make the other loved, to make the other serve, to make the other follow my way. You walk with God collectively, brothers and sisters, as we see through Scripture, even in this verse here. And that's how we grow. But it's up to every individual at Saving Grace Bible Church to make that effort to grow. Yes, we are members of one body and we encourage one another and we build each other up. We have fellowship with one another but it must be up to every individual to obey this command. It is called to the whole church, but it's up to every individual. No one can walk your Christian life. And no one can be blamed if your Christian life is going downwards. No one can be blamed for that. And no one should be blamed for that. Because it's up to us to join following godly example. Jesus himself called many people to follow him, yet not everyone followed him. But Jesus never held responsible those who were following him because others weren't following him. That makes sense, I hope. As an elder of the church, I can only call upon you and say, follow the Apostle Paul or follow the pattern in my own life, but you must do the following. You must desire to chase after it. I can disciple you for two years, but you must grow in that discipleship. I can, I can encourage you to read godly books of godly men of the past and learn from them, but you must read those godly books and you must grow in through those godly books. I can be as holy and your pastor can be as holy as the Apostle Paul and say, follow the pattern of our lives, but it's up to you to make that move. And so, Paul then moves beyond himself. Humble Paul that he is, and look at the text again, still in verse 17, we haven't moved far, but the second part of it, look at what it says. And observe those who walk according to the pattern that you have in us. So follow my example. Now observe those who are like-minded. In fact, the KJV says, mark them which walk. Point them out. The ESV says, keep your eyes on those who walk. I really like that. It makes really sense because this word in the Greek, it is to keep your eyes fixed upon. 
carefully and intentionally look at those who have godly intention, godly lives, who are walking holy, who are pure, who love Christ and sacrifice themselves and pay attention to them. The Apostle Paul could have stopped it himself, right? So, But this is humbling because for many reasons, there are other people who can actually mimic Paul. says, follow those. Follow those. If you can't see me at the moment, I'm in prison. You remember me and I'm writing to you. But guess what? There are examples in your life in front of you. Watch them. Those who are actually following my example, the apostolic example. And look at them and how they're walking. Psalm 37, 37 says, Mark the blameless man and behold the upright. Mark him out. And Paul says that the pattern that you have in us, that you've seen in us, it's in other people. Follow them. And so Paul here gives another command. By the Spirit of God, follow them. Be a watch out for them. Watch out for those who are following my pattern. Look at their lives. Are they showing Christ? Are they walking in the ways of God? Paul shows a few things here. Again, I just want to just make sure that we understand this. One, it's possible. It's possible to be like Paul. It's possible. Because there are others like him. Two, it's not just your elders. It's not just your pastors of the church. There are people in the church who are following the elders. And they're actually being that witness. Three, we need men and women like this in the church so that we can grow. This is encouraging. Because they're following Christ. And so the elders, yes, have an influence in your life for holy living, but there are others who are following the elders likewise. And let me quickly say this, okay? When we say get to know one another, grow together, and because this is what we're looking at, we're looking at discipleship right now, all right? What Paul is not saying here, please, I beg of you that you get this. Pick someone within the church that you like, that you have something in common, and just build that relationship. If that's the case, well, go to the gym. Find someone in the gym that gets along with you and talk to him. You like dogs? Go to the park. Find someone who's got dogs and get to know them, you know? If you like burgers, find someone who eats burgers and go and eat burgers with them. That is not what Paul is saying here. Paul, it has nothing to, by the way, here's another thing. This has nothing to do with culture. Meaning, in this church we have Italians, we have Greeks, we have, you know, uh, uh, South Africans and Maltese. It's not saying Maltese, find a Maltese person and eat pastitsis together. 
All right? He's not saying to the Italians, find Italians and eat spaghetti together, or the Aussies to have pies together, or the Chinese people to have rice. That, that's not what this is saying. Paul is saying there's only one culture, and that is of Christ. You find people, whether they're, whether they're Italian or Greek or Vietnamese or whatever they are, if they are reflecting the character of Jesus Christ, look at them. It doesn't matter that you don't like fool. I don't like fool. I love Wes. And in fact, I think that's the, it's, a, it's, 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 it's the worst food I've ever seen. No, it's not really. But what binds us together? Well, I'll tell you, it's not my pizzas or spaghetti. And it's not full. It is Christ. It is me being in my brother's house and encouraging one another how to grow in holiness. How do we, how do we manifest Christ all the more in our lives? Our desire for us elders here, I can tell you, I can speak on behalf of Wes, is that you would have that desire to mimic those who are mimicking Christ. So, beloved, if your elders are influencing you, don't, 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 don't keep it to yourself. If you're saying, I have great knowledge, and I can tell you the wonders of this book, I can tell you so many stuff and my vocabulary is fantastic and you keep it to yourself and all the rest of the days you live as if you don't know Christ. I tell you something, are you reflecting Christ? I want to ask you, is that person even knows full of knowledge, full of wealth and yet we look at this person and he doesn't reflect Christ. Is that what Paul is saying? No. Paul is never telling us to be great theologians, although we're all called to be theologians because he studied the Word of God. But he's saying, be Christians. Mimic those who love Christ. And then as you mimic them, influence others. How? Teach them to live a holy life. How to deny yourself. How to deny ungodliness. How to walk in a light in a darkened world. How to be the best Christian that you can be. You only have one life to be a Christian. After that comes glory. Paul says, observe those who are walking according to this pattern that you have in us. Follow them. Pay attention to them. Later on, the Apostle Paul in this letter says in Philippians 4.9, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me practice such things, and the God of peace will be with you. So let me begin by giving a, a little bit of an application. I'll shorten it. First, if you are not a brother or a sister in Christ. Re disregard everything I told you. If you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your soul, trying to be holy, walking a holy life, 
looking at the example of, of Wes and myself and other men and other women within this church will not add an ounce of salvation to your soul unless you repent. If you are not a brother, that means you're not a sheep. You are best right now a goat who needs to repent and plead with God that God will save your soul, that you may become a sheep in a sheepfold. If you're not a brother, no matter what you do, this will not add anything to you. In fact, God makes it very clear that your good works are nothing but filthy rags in His sight. You've heard it already. Jesus said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father unless they come through this one channel, me. And if you don't come through that channel, then all your godliness and all your holiness that you think you have is dead works and filthy rags in the sight of God. Because you're a sinner and you're fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of that sin for you is eternal hell, eternal fire. There is only one mediator between God and man, and that is Christ Jesus, and that's where you want to come. You want to come at the end of yourself and say, Lord, save my soul. And he promises that all those who will come to him and give their life to him, he will give them the right to the kingdom of God. He will cause them to be born anew and He will give them a new heart and He will give them a new flesh, a heart of flesh, remove the heart of stone and only then He will cause you to walk in His statutes. Only then you will be able to mimic others with a holy heart, a pure heart, an affectionate heart that God has given you. Until then you are not a Christian. And you're not going to make it to heaven. So I beg of you, I plead with you. How often do I plead with you? Trust Jesus Christ and Him alone. That's all. It's not rocket science. It's what Jesus did on that cross where you trust Him that He died and rose from the grave. And He says, whoever comes to me, I will not cast out. Come to Jesus Christ. The application for you, brothers and sisters, I want to simplify it. I had a whole thing here, but I'm going to simplify it for you. Who are you following? Who is the example in your life that you can say, I have a godly example in my life? And are you influencing others as you are growing in your holiness. Are you influencing others? Are you being an influence to other people? We all need someone to mimic and follow. Men, grow. Teach other men. Women, grow. Teach other women that we may grow in a likeness of Christ. Apostle Paul says, brethren, follow my example. 
I pray that every single one of us are growing, that we can say to someone else, follow my example. Jesus Christ chose 12 misfits to follow him. Paul calls the Philippians to follow him. And your elders say, follow us because we're following Christ. Amen. Father, we come before you, Lord. We thank you for your word. The word is pure and rich and full of goodness. We pray, Father, that this sermon might have been stern and challenging to some, but maybe encouraging to others. We need you, Father, that we may follow examples and not get caught up with following ungodly examples as we will see the next time in verse 18 and 19 of your word. But Lord, that we will manifest the glory of Christ in our own lives. That others will desire to follow us. What good is it, Father, if we say we're Christians and we have nothing to offer someone else? Please, I pray, Father, also for our unbelieving friends and family members, Father, who have not yet bowed their knee to Christ. Remind them that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen.